ready for some more World of Sport Wrestling reviews. Yes, that's right. It's Let Me Tell You Something's first foray into weekly episodic TV reviews. Admittedly, it's bi-weekly at this rate because, unfortunately, through various um, absences that we both had from our usual homes, we weren't able to review episode 4 immediately. So we'll be doing episodes 4 which was last week, and episode 5, which at the time of recording was yesterday. Uh, not not even yesterday, sorry. Uh, the 25th, Saturday the 25th, because this is Bank Holiday Monday. Um, but as with me as always is the grado to my British Bulldog Junior, Simon Cross. I really shouldn't claim the... It's a bit harsh giving you the grade. Well, then again, you're the one people like. Uh, <laughs> Simon, how you doing, mate? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right, Lorcan. Uh, yes, um, you you were off in Edinburgh. Uh, that, yes. That's that's why our paths couldn't cross. And I I, I was off in Liverpool, um, being one of those foolish people, still watching uh, pay per views until four a.m. in bars. <laughs> yeah, why did you have to go to Liverpool for that? Um, we just decided that's that's where our friend who is in Liverpool, like he, he invited us up. So we thought rather than him always traipsing down, we'd return the favour somewhat. Fair enough, fair enough. And then you went to, the reason this is coming out on Monday is because on Saturday you were in the Dean's Forest. Yes, you, yes. Um, this Dean is and why he deserves his own forest, but there we go. Hey ho, the land that Wi-Fi forgot I was in. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we review World of Sport Wrestling and shall we go, I'm trying to remember. So can you remember what had happened up to episode three, Simon? Um, We had... Three out of our four quarterfinals in the tag team tournament, we had crowned um, most recent. The most recent crowning was a women's champion, and we had our first successful men's title defense mm-hmm. as well. So we had a lot of stuff going on, really. Yep. It's also we have been increasingly uh, introduced to Crater as a devastating monster heel. He destroyed young Gabriel Kidd, uh, who had won a Money in the Bank briefcase. Of uh, very, it was the the offer was as uh, the the reward was as disappointing as the briefcase itself. Yeah, um, bless him. And we had that, that was our first uh, use of like ambulance stretcher, like uh, you know, um, paramedic stretching someone out. Yeah. Sort of got lost in the shuffle a little bit though. So let's go into it now, and we go on to episode four. Uh, Alex Shane at the start asked Stu Bennett if there are any consequences for Rampage's. Um, despicable victory over Justin Sizem the previous episode where uh, one of his two allies, CJ Banks had done the classic um, Braun Strowman James Ellsworth holding onto the ankle preventing him from getting into the ring and Rampage winning via countouts Bennett said the only thing that was of a consequence was that he got the winner's check (laughs) so yeah you thought he'd be on backs by now at World of Sport but then ridiculous um (laughs) Anyway, paying them week to week. Is he getting it through his employment agency as well? Having to walk <laughs> over there every week. It was a guy that had to do that for my job for months. They had to go literally walk over to his old employment agency and get the payment there. It was a farce, Simon. It was a farce. I, I would estimate there's something pretty dodgy with the tax man going on over there. Mm. So, we next have the first women's championship title defence as Kaylee Ray faced off against B Priestley. And they had a match. Things <laughs> it was happened. Fu- <laughs> yeah, it was fine. 
Um, Priestley did the, the heel, established the heel character a little bit yeah. more by attacking before the, the bell. First, the first thing that Shane said when he was on commentary was how that she was a um, how much how what, what a uh, an inspirational story she had of traveling all the way from New Zealand to the UK. Don't give your heels inspirational stories. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. It's like if Joffrey had a dead nan in Game of yeah. Thrones. And I don't, I'm always surprised how the crowd knew to boo B. Priestley. Because I can't recall her doing anything heelish in her previous match. There was nothing in her entrance that was particularly heelish. Mm. But they seemed to know something we didn't since she attacked Kaylee Ray before the bell and everything. It's almost as if they were given signs saying cheer and boo. I don't know. <laughs> Cynicism dripping through you there, but, but and the cynicism uh, kept on because they did the old uh, someone hits the finisher, but instead of covering for the three count because someone else's entrance music goes off, that stops them in their tracks and they immediately have to find out what's going on. They well, have time. It's wrestling they have time folklore. to get the pin. It's just wrestling folklore. It happens in many other federations. I don't think it does. I think it's pretty much just the WWE that it happens in. Yeah, I mean... So it's another one of these situations where it just seems like they're ripping off WWE, but not as well. They're just doing all the bad things WWE does and none of the good things. Yeah, I mean... That was it. I mean, the fact we've moved straight on to the finish just shows how... unremarkable the actual in-ring content was. was Not that there was a lot of it to speak of, really. I mean, it was to Bell, it was like, what, a few like, three to four minutes? Well, it was mostly just, yeah, it was mostly Priestley beating up Kaylee Ray and then Kaylee Ray hitting a finisher. Yeah. Yeah, really. Like, no real big comeback. It was just sort of no, out of nowhere. Happened. And well, Yeah, she just did a suicide dive, sent her back in and did the gory bomb. I don't know if she's and, got a special name for that move, but I think it's very indicative of what, what's been happening so far with a lot of the matches. The finishes just happen. There's no building to a crescendo. It, it just they, sort they don't have time to, to they don't have time to tell a narrative. They don't have a time to sell, tell a story with a beginning, middle and end that, that is very obviously discernible because all the matches that it's a match per segment at least, once we had two matches in one segment. So that means the most those matches can be when you factor in entrances and everything is eight minutes, nine minutes. And that's absolutely stretching it to its max. That's uh, taking it to its limits. And since this had a post-match angle, then I'm guessing... I don't do match timings. And also, another annoying thing is, because they're clearly edited um, post-recording, that they obviously make a longer match, and then they just have to cut it down. See, this is where you need uh, people who have experience of showing wrestling on TV, and also people who have experiences like agents booking... TV matches so that the wrestlers will know exactly how much they have to do within a certain amount of time. They mm. record it live or live to tape so that they don't have to make these awkward edit points. And speaking of awkward edit points, there's a big brawl that happens afterwards when Viper comes out. So all three of the women in the women's division at that moment start fighting again. And then Aisha, I Aisha, that was her yeah. name, but I didn't see any match graphics and I think her name was said once. And I think I've misspelled it because I think it's supposed to be spelled A Y E S H A. Yeah. I I always wrote it A I S H A. But I don't know that I'm wrong because they've never shown me her name. <laughs> um. But Aisha, yeah, she's she's sort of like she a taller. 
She is new. She's not made an appearance yet. Um, no, I, mean, I mean, like, new to wrestling. I'm not brutally sure. I've not seen her in any independence in passing myself. Mm. Um, doesn't seem to be any, like, big... Reg- well, not that it would be, but the crowd doesn't seem to be prompted to treat her like a big star either. Not if they are being prompted. She was just like, look at this tall woman. And then music plays. It's like, oh, who's is this music? I was like, no one except for arguably Joe Hendry has anything re- close to recognisable entrance music. Yeah. No one does. I wouldn't have been surprised if someone had said they've all entered to the same music. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right. I can't think of, a, apart from Joe Hendry's theme, I can't think of how any of the other not themes even, go. Not even Grado. I think Bulldog like come out to Rule Britannia, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, and Grado has, like, I know he has, like, some woman, like, singing his mm. name at the start. Mm. And it's, like, some kind of, like, pop funky thing. I don't know. I'm not down with the kids. <laughs> no. Anyway, we then, so that's all the big brawl, and then he sets up a battle royal tomorrow, uh, for next week, sorry, uh, for the women's title. So, yeah. Just stuff. I'm just... surprised, it was just a Teddy Long thing. I'm surprised The Undertaker didn't come in, or they turned into <laughs> a tag team. They could have turned it into a tag team match, actually. I mean, t- typically, that's that's how it sort of would have go gone, but... I guess when you have you don't have a women's tag division to speak of, and that is your entire division out there. I guess they want That's to showcase them. Yeah, that was something that WWE was doing, um, especially in the first year of the roster split, when the the women's divisions were just six on each side. So there were very often just things involving all the women's division, which I think is you just don't. I don't think you want to bring attention to the lack of numbers, really. Um, mm. And Stu Bennett literally in commentary said, because there aren't as many women's wrestlers, Kaylee Ray and B Priestley have wrestled each other a lot. And it's like, don't. That might be true, but don't bring it to people's attention, you know? Mm. Don't point out the weaknesses, as Paul Heyman would say. Accentuate the positives, hide the weaknesses. Unless they somehow thought that, you know, that shows how storied their rivalry is. And that they thought, oh, this will come across this way. But... Yeah, well, that's fine saying, like, it's the most sought-after women's match on in all of wrestling. You know, that that makes sense. Instead of, well, there's not that many women, so they just have to match <laughs> each other. That was just there. It's <laughs> what there is. <laughs> it's like when you walk into They're the best of end. a bad bunch. Yeah. That's all they are. It's like, it's like the dregs of a wedding buffet. It's yeah, like tuna sandwiches. And they're that. the thinnest kids in fat camp. That doesn't <laughs> even make sense. You know what I mean? It's just damning with faint praise. Yeah. Um, so next we have Grado and Stu Bennett being, again, one of the few people that gets backstage segments or anything like that and allowed to put across a personality. And he gets into an argument with Bennett uh, saying that he thinks he deserves another chance because he beat Char Samuels. And Bennett said he, he immediately became a blubbering buffoon. Within three minutes. Three minutes. So Grado asks for one more chance and uh, and Bennett admits that his poor organisational skills mean that there is a spare tag team tournament slot open. And this is the episode. He was like, thank God you've come. I was fucked. I kept putting this off. <laughs> it does show like, like, because at the start they've been advertising this, there, there will be eight teams in this tournament. And we're like, this is the last quarterfinal this episode. And he's like, well, I actually don't have one. <laughs> So, I didn't plan this far ahead. <laughs> so we next get a lot... Uh, um, I think many people will probably say the best match of the sh- series so far 
with Will Ospreay returning after losing to the British Bulldog Jr. in his uh, first match. And taking on Martin Kirby, who had beaten Joe Hendry the previous episode through um, nefarious means. Yeah. And I'll, they I'll... had an indie-rific big high spots match. Yeah, I, I did have high hopes for this, um, I said in the last episode. Um, it delivered somewhat. It delivered what it could deliver within the time that it had. Again, yeah. this is a match that you could have carried across two segments and given them like 12, 15 minutes to really do something fantastic with it. I can I can imagine that a lot of what Osprey did in particular will impress someone who doesn't watch much wrestling and doesn't know what it is uh, or didn't know what it was um, apart from their old knowledge of world of sport or you know or just someone that's just literally turned on itv and it's the first time they've ever seen wrestling yeah i can imagine this will be the thing that will maybe impress them the most but it wasn't it was just a collection of moves really well done moves but there wasn't mm. any great psychology to it they didn't tell a great story the character that martin kirby had established previously of the cheating snivelly backstabber wasn't really on display in this match. He was yeah. He was matching Osprey move for move for the most part. He was hitting his own impressive hot moves, and, and obviously he's a great wrestler as well. But the character that we've established, he had to beat. He had to cheat to beat Joe Hendry, and everyone's beating Joe Hendry at this point. <laughs> so why is suddenly Osprey having to use everything? Like you know, he kicks out of a top rope. Shooting star press and yeah. you know, all sorts of stuff. What Hendry's Owen free at the minute? Thinking yeah. about it, yeah. But but yeah, he's like a Commonwealth. You know, he's, he's the pride we're of not Scotland's about Henry, hero. We're not talking about yeah, Henry, so let's let's move on. That's true. I just want to piggyback off your point there uh, in terms of Martin Kirby not wrestling in the great heelish style. The Zoyberg elbow heel shouldn't be hitting that move. Um. Well, he missed it, didn't he? He did miss it this time, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's just one of those moves that's designed to get the crowd going, oh, sort of like Taker's old school. And I always yeah, thought... Taker was... first did that when he was a heel. And The Rock did the people's elbow when he was a heel. It's yeah. just bragging. It's showing off, you know? To, and, to... And, it's, and it's hubris as well when they when they miss it. But I think you should convey Were that. you about to say to an right. extent until I interrupted I was, you. I was actually, yeah. yeah. Um... I just think once with all my many interruptions. <laughs> I just think with his if he's doing the claw thing, if he's a heel, he should maybe like slow down the claws or like uh, just soak in the atmosphere. What you see, what I mean? But it's not even a well-established move. Again, I know it's something that he did on like what culture, um, but it's just it, I, first of all, I don't think people like again. He's gone for it in every match. People that go to a people that go to a what culture show are probably going to have a decent idea of who Zoidberg is. ITV One at five PM on a Saturday. They should call it the Lobster Elbow or something like that. Yeah, but why is he doing a Lobster Elbow? I don't know. I don't know why he started doing the Zoidberg Elbow. So I can't comment on that regard. To that regard, yeah. It was fine. It was good. It was good for what it was. I my my favorite match is still. The uh, Doug Williams, H.T. Drake, Adam Max, did Nathan Cruz tag team match. That was really good. Um, that told a really good story and was sort of self-contained and worked within its the time that it was given more than I felt like. I felt like this was something very compressed. It was an expre- <laughs> impressive exhibition, but I think if you're going to give Will Ospreay a showcase, which I think is what it was meant to be, and I'm not against that, Will Ospreay is someone that you could genuinely build the show around as something that the WWE other than Ricochet, can't really match them with. Yeah. Um, 
that's fine. Then just give him someone like a one of those one of those guys. Give him Robbie X or something, someone that can just be sort of a crash mat for him to do all of his moves against. Yeah, and just a squash match essentially. And then the time that they've got, it's just you know three instead of it being an eight minute match which is really compressed or seven minute match really condensed and compressed. Mm. It's a it's a four minute exhibition and that gives you more times to do segments and promos and everything that allow or, or talk to Will Ospreay after the match about what he hopes what he plans to do now what his sights are set on or something and you'd have your beginning middle and end which is to go back to our earlier point not what we're getting at the moment I mean that match I reckon when it went bell to bell and it was filmed was mm. probably at least twice as long as what we saw maybe not twice as long but definitely a few minutes longer and that's the thing, you need to work within the time limits of their setting. It's obviously they just said, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll sort it out in post. Well, post-produced wrestling can be very awkward. Yeah. Partic- you know, and, and this has been no, and this is already a show that's got bad camera work and bad and editing. Anyway. I just want to set the uh, set the table a bit more for everyone with this, because I, I did try and like track down some like figures and such before this. I found episode this episode's figures, but I haven't found um, episode five's figures uh, as we currently speak. Yeah. Um, Whilst I was doing that, I found out that these these all of these matches were filmed from the 10th to the 12th of May in a mm. studio in Norwich. Mm. So they have had, well, for this episode, three and a half months effectively from the footage they grabbed mm. to putting it out to air. Well, the editing is noticeably less obnoxious now than it was. Yeah. It's still obnoxious, but... But it's less obnoxious. So it's possible that they are aware of the criticisms and have been spending the past few weeks trying to... Lessen improve, it. Lessen the um, mm. number of ridiculous cuts. So there's only some... But then again, they still haven't given any of them name graphics, which is so easy and simple to do. Yeah. Do you think that's because of the spelling error they had? No, I don't think. I think it's just they don't think it's important, which boggles my mind. I'm pretty sure Ant and Dex still get like name graphics when they're on TV, don't they? I don't, um, I don't watch them, so my TV is not tuned in, Simon. Actually, I tried, to tune it, I tried to tune it in this week and it wasn't working, <laughs> which is annoying because I'm trying to get Sky Sports with my new Talk Talk deal. So uh, I don't know what's going on there? Anyway. That's all right. I mean, it's one of the bright sides of Villa being in the championship. You can probably catch a lot more of their games. Mm. <laughs> I can't talk as a Bolton fan, so. <laughs> but, yeah, I do think, I do think with the gap they had, maybe they could have, name graphics, easy. You're right. They should have just been dropped in. You've got yeah. three and a half months. Yet, the only reason you're not having them at this point is because you don't think it's worth it. I think yeah. you're right there. And, and how can you not think? It's, how can people think? Oh, everyone will know how to spell Justin Sizem. Well, it took us four bloody episodes to do it. Exactly. I still think I'm doing it wrong in my match reports. I think on my notes, I'm still writing it down wrong. We we did nail it last episode. Um, yeah, but we can't so, remember. Yeah. <laughs> Says it all. <laughs> oh, it's like with um. Oh, what was it? Um, Sabin's partner? Oh, I have no idea how to spell his first oh, name. Oh, Yestin Reese. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's one that you really need to have up there spelt out for. You should do it like Jeff. You should have a gimmick like Jeff Jarrett's where he's just spelling out his name all the time. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah. So then we cut to Stu Bennett in the ring with Grado. Again, these are two of the only people that are allowed to talk because they're still building up the Grado against the 
heel authority figure. You know, it is what it is. Um, and he points out that he's going to be facing the tag team of Robbie X and Crater. Crater. Weird this. Um, it's just like, oh, they, these two dudes have masks. We'll do it. Yeah, I think that's a form of racism, personally. <laughs> well, we don't know what race Crater is, or if he's human, even. It does, the, the dynamic between them does remind me of those old matches that you saw on telly of, like, um, Big Daddy and a, and a smaller wrestler against Giant Haystacks and a smaller wrestler. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a good, you know, and, and I guess that's sort of the same dynamic with Sabian and Reese and, and things like that. Um, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's... Robbie X, it's one I just never have heard of before, and he's good at what he does, but it's just one of those ones of where are they getting these people from? Same with, like, Gabriel Kidd and Liam um, Slater, I think. Yeah, it does seem weird as well that Crate has been thrown into the tag division. It's it's, it's the whole disorganisation. They they wanted another segment with Crater in it, basically. Yeah. Um, Or it's Stu trying to screw over Grano by saying he doesn't have a team. And it's yeah. like, oh, actually, I can get him to fight Crater here. Yeah, maybe this was another makeshift tag team. Stu Bennett just from me realising, oh, no, it's eight teams in a tournament, not six. <laughs> it would make sense. You two, you wear masks. Get, get out. Because this is another tag team that don't get along with each other. And uh, the same sort of finish, really, basically. Uh, but Grado's tag team partner is British Bulldog Jr. Which is kind of like the classic, um, that was like a classic story back in the Territory days that the good guy finally reveals his tag team to be Andre the Giant making his rare appearance in that territory that year. Kind of works in that regard. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad it wasn't a bad reveal that. It's got mileage. It's a tried and tested formula. Yeah, yeah. So they do just sort of classic wrestling. So the story is whenever Robbie X is in the ring, it's back and forth with both Grado and British Bulldog Jr. Um and Crater is always reluctant to get in the ring or reluctant to help out his partner who's not impressed with Robbie X at all. Robbie X is doing Normal sort of babyface tag team wrestling and yeah. is being the monster heel. It was a weird uh, dynamic in that sense because Robbie X... I mean, is Robbie X a face or a heel? I actually can't remember. Uh, well, there's no establishment one way or the other, really. I think he got booed when he made his entrance. But again, I just don't... That doesn't mean anything with the fans particularly. And, and he didn't, again, he didn't wrestle heelishly. No. Um, and, and as we get to the end of the match, that's also factored into it. Um... So yeah, uh, there's some good moments with Grado interacting with Crater. He like goes to the comedy bit him. right at the start. Yeah, that he goes really to good. charge him, but thinks better of it and tags in Bulldog. Um, so yeah, the match goes on. It's, it's a match, um, but uh, but they built a, they had a middle and end act in this with Grado's yeah. um, knee injury. Um, he's, no, that's, that's what... the next one. That's the next match. Oh, that is the next match. God, yeah. it's still blurring into one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, Crate, the whole story of this match is that Crate doesn't care much for Robbie X. Yeah. Um, Apologies. And in the end, Bulldog backdrops uh, Robbie X out of the ring and he lands on Crater. And Crater catches Robbie, but then just drops him on the floor and walks away. Oh. So that's the second time we've had that in the tag team tournament. Yeah. Um, and then... I think as he's walking away, the camp, the cameras, and the way uh, Grado hits the cutter, 
it just it doesn't wasn't filmed that well. It was just like took away from the action a little bit. <laughs> Shock, I know. But um, yeah, Grado hits his cutter and, and gets a three count. And then they they try to help. They um, Kratos turns up and gets back in the ring and starts beating up Robbie X. But Grado and Bulldog stand up for their partner, and Kratos walks off. Um, but yeah, it was oddly structured. There were like periods where the baby faces were dominating Robbie X, and Robbie X was having to make the hot tag, as it were, to Crater. Yeah. Um, so it was heel in peril, I guess, in, in that regards. If he is a heel. Mm. He got booed, but he hasn't really done anything overtly heelish. Yeah. Like, his only other appearance so far was in the multi-man ladder match. So yeah. it's hard. He was fine in that, just he's not a very impressive looking guy. You know, no. he doesn't... Not like that's Grado, but Grado makes something out of it. But um, anyway, he's a... Uh, yeah. And also, he's got that Scottish flag mask on. I don't think he's Scottish. <laughs> What's that all about? Maybe it is just, just an X. Maybe. And he's just picked those colours. I guess. Seems a bit weird that that's the scheme to go for. colours. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So, uh, yeah, Rachel Stringer interviews Rampage backstage. Shah Samuels takes away her microphone, which is something that happens to her a lot. Yeah, she I don't... She doesn't do her job very much. No, uh, I think she should work on that grip strength because yeah, she... yeah. Shah Samuels uh, again gets to show some personality and just, but he does sort of generic promo, uh, taunting just inside them. So obviously, there's kind of um, foreshadows what's going to happen in the main event, which is a three-way match for the WOS Championship between Justin Sizem, uh Joe Hendry inexplicably getting a title shot opportunity after losing his last two matches. And all last three matches, did he? Yeah, the last three matches. Yeah, he's, he's 0-3 well. prior to this yeah. match. Yeah. yeah. And Adam Maxted. Or is it? Yeah, this this is so weird. Cruz grabs the mic and he just goes, uh, right, I don't want your pretty face getting in, like, uh, in... It being put in danger, I'm going to wrestle this because I've got the, the experience. Uh, and Adam's just like, yeah, so okay. Adam prizes the his face over the championship the title. Yeah, or he um he prizes Nathan's opinion over the championship. Or he's an idiot. Or all of the above. <laughs> But it does. I think some of that might be laying in what happens in the next episode. But anyway, this is another well wrestled match. All these guys are good in the ring. Joe Hendry's great, great in the ring. Justin Sizem has some awkward moments in him, but he's but, incredible. I get the feeling that he might be the least experienced out of all of these guys. Yeah, uh, but it's not Cruz just show great. muscles. You know, no. you know, like show show yeah. bodybuilding, yeah. yeah. and like he is an he is an athlete. Yeah, that moment uh, where he sprints off the ramp and dives out and does like the Johnny Gargano uh, spear. spear. The... That was impressive. That was really impressive. That, that did look good as well. It was a bit awkward. You could tell the jump was a bit of a challenge for him, but he still managed it just about. So yeah. he gets away with it. Um, but yeah, it's just a match. Again, nothing particularly memorable about it, but that's not saying it's bad. It's just a match. It's been a week since I watched it, and I can't remember much about it. Um, Max Ted was did pretty good as like the, um, the heel sort of manager. He ran fer- interference very well. I yeah. thought and conveyed yeah, this yeah. character outside the ring. So then, Justin. So it, it ends with uh, and Cruz is very good uh, in the ring as well. Um, Cruz yeah. is a guy that I think again. There's several guys that I think I would push ahead of Rampage as the lead 
heel champion just because I don't doubt that Rampage looks tough and everything, but I just think you need personalities at this point, and I just feel like characters like Adam Maxted or Nathan Cruz can do that cocky, arrogant... Well, Rampage didn't champion. say one word in his interview. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems like Rampage is more of an Arn Anderson. And Anderson yeah. never held the belt, you know? The world belts. And, and Maybe Shah should have had it. If they were gonna, yeah, if they no, were gonna no, no, no. I would, have, I would have chosen Rampage over them. I would have had... I would have had Rampage and Shah Samuels running interference for a Max Stead or a Cruz. Mm-hmm. That's what I would have done. Um, but yeah, it all ends with... Um, Hendry's been knocked out of the ring. Uh, Max Stead goes to punch Sizem. Accidentally hits Cruz, sort of. I don't know if he was meant to. Uh, he pulls it. He doesn't hit. But they, yeah. they're, like, they're like, oh, we nearly hit each other kind of thing. I must yeah. stop what I'm doing for two seconds. Yeah. And then and then just... But then Max just goes off the apron and doesn't interfere in the rest of the thing, which is turning around to size him hitting what what Alex Shane called a discus clothesline, but... It's not a clothesline. It's like no. a spinning crossbody lariat thing. Well, I looked at it. It looked to me like a sort of trouble in paradise, but he hits a flying forearm instead of a, a, a kick to the face. There was no, it looked, there was it no, looked all right. It looked good. There was good. no lariat involved, nor was there the, the sort of what I what I associate with the discus part of it either, which is sort of standing and, and turn, which he's done in, in previous matches where he twists and... So I was a bit surprised at that. But anyway, that that, that won him the match. And that, yeah. That well, Hendry had it nearly won at one point, and um, yeah. Sizem grabs his crew, grabs Cruz's hat, Cruz's hand to stop him from tapping out. So yeah, it shows that Hendry cool. was close again, and it's yeah. just oh, that was a good perennial bridesmaid well. little thing. Although again, it's not a spot that's anything new. And no. surely you can still say I give up. Like verbal submissions haven't gone away. Yeah, I mean, it's so not he really have his. Hand and his mouth, hand over his mouth as well, or something like that. Yeah, that's it's the little details, but it looked good. It, yeah, like you know, and it showed that Hendry is capable of winning these sorts of matches. Mm-hmm. Even if it, you know, like when Randy Orton um, and Hulk Hogan had their match at SummerSlam, and uh, Orton hit the RKO and had the pin for like more than three seconds, but the ref was down. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's go on to uh, episode five, unless you've got anything less to say about episode I four. I do have a massive criticism about oh, okay, this match. And again, it's camera work. And the way the hard cam caught the finish with, we'll call it the, the troubling forearm. Yeah. Um, for one the troubling the forearm. The troubling forearm. Well, it certainly was for Cruz. Mm-hmm. Um, the hard cam caught Joe Hendry sort of selling slash watching the finish. Yeah. And I just think, right, either zoom it, or you've ha- you have twenty you have twenty bloody cameras. Pick a different one. Yeah, and the contact of the forearm wasn't great either. It feels like a shot from behind where Nate, you see Nathan Cruz's back, so you can't see the point of contact as it's supposed to be in the head or or the yeah. chest or wherever it is he ended up actually touching him. Um, it's it's like how with the first episode when we saw um, Sizem suicide dive and all of like one hand touching Max dead. Yeah. <laughs> because he caught his feet on it. So, you know. Oh, yeah, when he nearly died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good times. Um, so, the, the, I'm just going to go straight into episode five if you're all right with that. Or... Um, well, I just I just want to sum up that again now. Where where are we out of this? Um, Sizem seems to be like the guy they're pushing because he gets Sizem, a second bite yeah. of the cherry. 
Well, yeah, I mean, Alex Shane at several points has now said that Sizem's pound for pound the best wrestler in the UK. <laughs> Look, you got to say what you got to say to make things, you know, I've got no problem with you trying to sell a guy. Although, when you use the pound for pound thing, you're usually saying that for people who are, like, small. Yeah, like, and he said Joe Hendry the... is pound for pound the best entertainer, literally 30, se- or 30 seconds to a minute before he called Sizem the best pound for pound athlete. So if you're going to use... A uh, analogy. Don't use it twice in a row for two yeah. people. Since when has the quality of someone's entertainer been based on weight? Based on weight. <laughs> no, the, the Edinburgh Otherwise... Awards just came out, and they were there wasn't like a welterweight, middleweight, lightweight category or anything like that. If weight was a factor, Roy Trubby Brown would have a Tony Award by now. Mm-hmm. He'd have an EGOT. <laughs> um, so. Episode 5, we're getting two Tag Team Championship tournament matches here. We're going through to the semi-finals and the, one would assume the final next week as well. So the first one we have is Yeston Reese and Kip Sabian, who won in Episode 1, against BT Gunn and Stevie Boy, who won in Episode 3. Uh, Kip Sabian, again, is one of the few people that's allowed a bit of time on the microphone. And he uh, does the old sort of Kennedy-Anderson thing of reintroducing himself and Yeston Reese, unfortunately not spelling Reese's name. So <laughs> doing it. Annoyingly. Yeah, and and also he gets the he gets the announcer's name wrong. On purpose. On purpose. And that was actually quite well timed, given that giving the microphone built and then you just said Alex Shane say like, his name's actually Phil. Yeah. Well, that was a good little bit, but then like you get the payoff immediately, which is the ring announcer then getting his name wrong. Calling him but Keith or something. Did the audience know that that announcer's name is Bill? Well, I think they they laugh. You build up over a number of weeks. You know, sort of like how the Young Bucks used to always super kick the ring announcer in PWG, and then like a few, like a year later, he finally got his revenge on him. You know, it's just I don't know. It's a minor thing, but it's just something that they could have done better. Yeah. Also, if he does badmouth Kip, then Kip should surely have just punched him in the face or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's also can I quickly say Kip Sabian is like the most generic wrestling name you can give yourself. It's just, uh, no, nah. I just yeah, just just it's a it's a real wrestler name that is, or like a nineties comic book superhero name. Yeah, I'm I think... Kip Sabian. I'm John Xavier. I'm you know all those sort of things. Yeah. I think it's just one of those things they threw in just to like get his character over a little bit more. But you're right, there was a short termism to it. But yeah, we, we've talked ad nauseum about time constraints, so I think that's apparent. So Sabian and Reese and Gun and Stevie, Stevie Boy have a good little match. They have a good little match. Another example, though, of the heels winning without cheating. Yeah, they just outsmarted them. They beat them. Yeah, and. It felt a little bit dated this match because of the way Stevie Boy and Gunn were just like sort of doing that 80s, we've hit one move, we'll do a lap of the ring kind of thing. Yeah, but I'm not against getting the crowd rallied up and actually playing to the audience both in the crowd and at home. I've got nothing against that personally. It was it was like classic 80s. Well, you get, like I said, throughout this whole show, it seems like the same moves are being done again and again by all the different wrestlers. Like, yeah. Half a dozen people have done, like, Stinger Splash, Avalanches in the corner. Everyone's done an Enziguri at some point. Um, you know, it's just the same. Well, they are easy loads moves of people, Loads do. of people do belly-to-back suplexes. I'm not... Well, I'm, I guess I'm kind of having a go. It just... 
just seems strange that everyone that can do an enziguri does do an enziguri. I, I don't know why that is, but it yeah, just is. Yeah, but that's not necessarily an, a World of Sport exclusive problem. There are three people in WWE at the moment using Sling Blade. So, Rollins, Balor. I've seen someone else do it. Um, I don't know if it was in NXT or WWE, but there is a third Sling Blade user. Well, it's like, it's... it was like when a, after after Kijimuto invented the Shining Wizard, just everyone was doing a Shining Wizard on the indie scene for like the next two or three years. Yeah, but the Shining Wizard is class. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Sabian and Reese win, go through to the final. No big surprise. Uh, as everything goes, you would assume you put money on them being the ones to win the tag titles at this point. I mean, they're the tag team that showed the most personality. Uh, the tag team that showed the most teamwork. Yeah. I mean, they. It works as a team. It's like you're right. It's like big man, small man, but mouthy, shorter guy. You know. Yeah, and just backs him up. Michael's Diesel, just very. Michael's Diesel, Enzo, Big Cast, Ziggler, McIntyre. You know, Haku, Andre the Giant, except it's actually Haku that's the big muscle backup. Yeah. <laughs> the um, one thing I will say about this is there was a moment where Reese got tagged in without the ref seeing it. The ref turns around and, like, the other Reese is in the ring rather yeah. than save, and he just seems to go with it. Yeah, that's always an annoyance of uh, basic refereeing things, and I think that's on the wrestlers as well. But sometimes they do a thing where they'll very loudly clap, and the referee will act like, I heard that tag, that's a tag. Yeah, but referees hear with their eyes, not with their ears. Mm. Especially in wrestling. But you know what I mean. It's just, yeah. it's just one way you can do it. I've seen people do it like that. Um, but yeah. Uh, Rachel Stringer chats to Nathan Cruz and Adam Maxted. They're given about 15 seconds to get their characters across. And they call themselves good looking about twice in that. They are. <laughs> yeah. Even Rachel has to agree that they are. And wishes them good luck. You're the yeah. heels. <laughs> and so Cal Val does spend the whole episode falling over Maxted. It is yeah. like, they are laying on this. Oh, he's, he's, a, he's a good looking boy, this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess he is, but it's just that he's, he's, he's that good looking that, like, I just feel like as many people are repelled by as they are attracted by, you know, just the tan and the hair products and the, you know. It's a bit, he's, he does look a bit Spice Boy, but people are into that. Some are, though. That's the thing. And that's why I'm a bit, again, I'm a bit surprised with where they're going with him by the looks of it, but we'll get to that when we come to it. Yeah. Uh, Stringer is ringside with Gabriel Kidd next, uh, saying that Kidd looks a bit bruised and battered from his match with Crater, and Kidd said that he is, but he's here for the people. He did he did a bit better in this ringside interview because this is his second ringside He's interview. another one, though, that I'm like, him? He's a guy that, out of all the people that you've got available to you, he's the guy that you're going with. He looks so... He's got, like, he's got the rosy, chubby cheeks of a, you know, a puppy fat of a young person because he still is very young, as they keep pointing out. 20. Yeah, he's got kind of that... Wunderkid Alex Wright thing going on. The way I describe him is he looks like he'd get knocked out of the first round, uh, first week of an ITV pop music contest that isn't the X Factor. Like one of those ones that they do to just pass the time in between X Factors. <laughs> and he can't get far in that. Like, you know, oh, let's find the next person to do uh, cats on the stage or something. I you like any dream will do on BBC One, you mean? Yeah, but because it's ITV, they can't get as good a one. I think they had Grease on ITV. Yeah. Um, although Grease is a better musical than Jason, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Just... 
I just don't know. And this was this was something that drove me crazy because they kept saying Crates takes on two men. Crates takes on two men in a triple, triple threat, threat match. match. And I, I I wrote down when they like you know they do their thing at the start going here's what we're going to see this week. I have in my notes create a handicap match because yeah. that's what they were telling me. And they give both Slater and uh, Liam Slater and Gabriel Kidd match graphics that makes it look like they're a tag team. They're the first yeah. ones that got pre-match. Like, like, sort of those old Raw coming up next, this match against this guy. And they're the two that they've done them for. Again, with no-name graphics! <laughs> it's just... I was so baffled. I've, I've had to scroll... Like, um, my notes actually have it scribbled out. I have and, and I've had to like, put verses in, yeah. in the gaps. Because I was writing it going, handicap match. It's both of them were standing in the ring. Crater comes to the ring. Handicap match. Then they go triple threat. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, then, well, great kid and Slater shake hands and then they start wrestling. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. And so here's other things that make me annoy me about that. Like, it also shows that they're both idiots. Because even if it is a triple threat match, you go after Crater. Yeah. You don't weaken each other up before Crater gets involved. And secondly, we've established that there are count outs in this world. Crater is out of the ring for about two minutes at the start of this match. Never gets counted out once. Yeah, they don't turn count outs on for this, unlike that Fatal Five way they had in exactly. the first episode. So it's not like our multi man matches are excluded from disqualifications or count outs like they are now in WWE. No consistency. Yeah. King is like. I think Vince Russo could have booked this better. I honestly do. Because at least he would have given these guys personalities and storylines. That is true. You know? Yeah. It would have been dumb as shit, but it would have probably got more interest from people. Well, half of them would have been dumb as shit. Some of them might have been all right. Yeah. Depends what kind of filter he had. Can I also say quickly, the, the wrestling that Slater and Kid do in that is actually quite enjoyable. It's classic British wrestling that they're doing. It's the, yeah. it's the closest we've come to like world of sport wrestling. I can't speak for Slater, but every time I've seen Kid, he actually can wrestle. Yeah, yeah I've seen Kid. Not... I've seen Kid versus uh, jo- um, John Morrison. Hmm. Like of all people, that was that was really weird. Um, that was a last minute change because Alberto Del Rio didn't get his flight or something like that. What a surprise! Yeah. But it was really good. Like, mm. he, he's a good wrestler. Yeah, yeah. So, but then they just, then Crater finally gets involved, beats them up, and pins them. Now, again, another rule technicality here. Uh, Slater, we've both seen this, yeah. Slater was on top of... Um, Kid. In a pinning position. Yeah, and I think if you look... Kid does try and account for this because about halfway through him being on top, his shoulder comes up for a little bit, then goes back down. If you watch it, if you watch it again, you'll see. So, so it shouldn't have been a three count. It should have been a three count, but halfway through him lying on the floor, he does put his shoulder up. Who puts his shoulder up? Uh, kid on the bottom. So if kid's on the bottom, then no one's being pinned, and therefore the count should have been broken. This is it. There's, there should have been a pin. You're right. I'm agreeing with you. It's just kid tries to uh, fix it, but in the process, does he make it look worse? I guess so. If since you noticed it, I didn't notice it. So at the very least, it's a it's a draw for both Crater and Slater. Yeah. Now they should have been a tag team. <laughs> Slater Crater. There we go. Writes itself. Um, it's 
Yeah, it, I mean, it gets across. It gets across that Crate is a monster, but you do that through giving him a handicap match and having him beat them both up. But they obviously wanted Kid and get. Uh, well, because it'd be more heelish to, to beat a... both of them up because he's because Kid had taped ribs. He's and he's hospitalized Kid already, so Kid ain't a hundred percent. But yet was going back and forth with a fresh guy. Yeah, yeah. It's just it was again just poorly booked. Again, there's good stuff within there. Crate is still coming across as a monster. Yeah. And they actually made the comparison of Kendo Nagasaki and, and Giant, Giant Haystack, which I'd already made. Yeah. So, you know, Alex Shane's a fan, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he reads me. Um, it was, you know... The in-ring stuff was okay. The surrounding story of it. The, again, the stuff that the wrestlers can control is fine to good. Yeah. The stuff that's out of their control is confusing and poorly thought out. Hmm. Speaking of which, let's go on to the next tag team championship match, which is Grado and British Bulldog Jr. against Adam Maxted and Nathan Cruz. No, I, I like I like this match as a whole. I think it, this is one of the few matches um, where there is a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm. It's very Grado heavy um, as a result. Well, Grado is heavy. Yeah. <laughs> but you start with his comedy. Uh, your middle axe, his knee injury, and obviously the finish is the finish. Mm. But it has progression. You know what I mean? There yeah, was a threat. Very, very sudden finish as well, because it did. I did it. Again, it's another one of those ones where the heat segment, there's no hot tag to pay it off. Yeah. Um, but there's a reasoning behind that, which is Nathan Cruz's ruthlessness and Adam Maxted's reluctant suddenly to take part in such ruthlessness. Yeah. Suddenly getting a moral conscience because he doesn't want to hurt Grado that badly because Grado gets a knee injury. See, to me, it seems to be set. It seems like the logical thing to set up with that is that Maxted takes so much concern that in the end, Grado's able to catch him with a, a small package a or, yeah. or a roll up or something like that. And Cruz then gets furious at Maxted for showing sympathy or something. Or, or because Cruz was taunting Grado all the time, I thought Cruz would be the one getting caught in, a, in an inside cradle or something. Yeah. Blaming Maxted for it. You can also say that this explains maybe some of what happened in the previous episode, that Cruz was always just looking out for himself and was manipulating Maxted. Yeah. So that Cruz is the true villain of it and that Maxted is both dumb and well-intentioned. <laughs> you know, he was dumb in the previous episode and well-intentioned in this episode because he didn't want to hurt Grady. Yeah. And also I... what I will say for Cruz and the facial expressions he pulls don't half make him look like a gobshite, yeah. which is what you want. Yeah, uh, and it's he obviously um, can go. He obviously is a good wrestler. He's yeah. got the size and everything. Again, another guy that I would have probably picked ahead of Rampage as the number one champion heel in the promotion. Big, but not too big. Big mm. to the extent where yeah, he could be a, you know your champion. Not too big where he still wouldn't want slash need bodyguards. What are you talking about? Heel. Six foot two, six foot yeah. three, maybe. Six foot two is probably about right. Um. But you know what I mean? Like the the, the taller yeah. lads could yeah. still be like feasible layers of protection. Yeah, it's not like J and J security. So obviously the storyline for this will be since we've got technically a heels versus heels tournament final, you would assume that that means that we're going to get Nathan Cruz and Adam Maxted again, another team splitting up during the course of the tournament. By the end of this tournament, the t- the tag team division will be more depleted than the women's division. Yeah, there'll so- only be the champions left. <laughs> Yeah, and Gunn and Stevie Boy, I guess. And that's about it, really. 
So one would assume that Grado and Bulldog will go down their own paths now at this point. Well, Bulldog's going to be in the next episode, which is something we'll come to. Um, it was again. It was the the, the in ring stuff was fine. The storyline was different. I'm not against it entirely. I don't think it's the one you go with at this point, or at least you don't pay it off with them. I don't because it just it just makes the final seem like an inevitability, unless they go down the path of feuding tag team partners as champions, which is another thing I don't like. Mm. Um, yeah, it'd be another layer of story to add to something they don't have a lot of time to do. Of all the things that I've criticised, and I will criticise this, my criticism is not as heavy as it is for other ones. Yeah, it it could work. It could work, but it could work. I just yeah, it seems to me like Grado and Bulldog as the babyface tag team was the way to go about things. Because then, uh, if um, Reese and, and Sabian had won, they'd yeah. have had more stock. Yeah, and the dynamic of the smaller, mouthier person and the larger muscle behind them—they've got mirror images of each other there as well. Yeah, maybe maybe they'll be the ones to be the first ones to challenge after the tournament's over. Potentially, I mean. I mean, they've got a good claim as, like, beating um, semi-finalists, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, next we've got the five-way women's battle royal for the WOS Women's Championship, because not only are we seeing... Aisha... But look, aren't there only four women in the division? No, there's five. There's someone called Casey Owens, we've never seen before, was never on any match graphics, never been explained, never given any introduction, and is the first one eliminated. Oh, she's just here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, oh, there's a great example, a great example of this, and it's uh, in the Ricky Gervais show slash their podcast with Carl Pilkington, where he's telling one of his monkey news stories about a uh, Russian chat show where they'd run out of staff. Um, and uh, he just goes at one point, um, so for some reason, there's a monkey about, and like Ricky's like, hang on, <laughs> one of the major plot points, oh, it's just there. <laughs> This is yeah. literally the same thing. There was no, there was no like, and who's going to be this mystery fifth entrant or anything. The first time we hear about it, it's just ah, oh, the and, people in charge of this show are and idiots. if you're going to have a fifth mystery fifth entrant, have them enter fifth. This is yeah, like when uh, WWE did a surprise return for uh, Elimination Chamber when it was one of their network specials, uh, and it was Mark Henry who came in fourth. Um, and actually like two or three minutes into the match me and my mates are watching going so where's the surprise entrance then it's like is that Mark Henry we didn't see him in it, that, it's him isn't it he, that was the surprise oh great again so they're copying the WWE <laughs> but they're copying the bad aspects of it um, and then the battle royal happens there are some awkward moments I think five's not an ideal number but there was like one moment where Casey Owens I think was supposed to hit everyone in every corner because there was quite a few spots of like all four women, four women being in the corner and the other woman hitting. So many stinger splashes in this match. Yeah, avalanche so slash stinger splashes, and um, and there was one moment where Casey Owens seemed again. It was like when BT Gun and uh, Stevie Boy got a bit confused, and it's like you edit these matches so much, but you keep in the mistakes and the confusions. And she, because yeah. she, she like hits a couple of people twice, and she missed B Priestley. Uh, in her corner, and I was like, yeah. I'm pretty sure you were meant to hit her, and, and you to screwed up at some point. Jump very quickly back to the uh, gun and Stevie Boy um, elimination by Reese and Sabian. Their, the, their finish, um, that powerbomb netbreaker thing, Sabian barely gets yeah, Stevie Boy. Yeah. I think he just caresses his, like, the side of his they face. pre record it, they could literally do it again. Yeah. I mean, that's what they did. I remember they did that with the Kurt Angle, Undertaker, 
submission at the same time as a pin spot. They literally went back and refilmed it using angles that meant that the audience wasn't there. 2005 Royal Rumble, they had to restart, didn't they? When yeah, but that, was, but, that was, but that wasn't pre-recorded. My point was that SmackDown yeah. was pre-recorded at that point, and they were able to go back out. And they got, like, staff to be on the front row. And yeah, so... but no, but, but my point is, even when it isn't pre-recorded, you can redo a finish if you can get away with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, there's another screwed-up spot in this match where... Um... Aisha goes for a power bomb, and it's the classic can't. Get and then Priestley just doesn't fancy it. It seems. It, yeah. it seems. Uh, power bombs are always ones where both people need to be working together. Yeah. Priestley seems like she didn't feel confident with Aisha there. I yeah. don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much. Well, into I, that's why maybe I thought, it was a genuine mistake. That's why it felt like Aisha might be new because she did look a bit awkward and clumsy and not yeah. fully. Maybe, maybe I'm misreading that. Maybe she's been there for ages and she's just not that very good. Um, it's just possible. And they also they repeated the Viper and her standing off against each other. They did that spot way too many times. Yeah, it was like it was like when John Cena and Randy Orton tried to do the face off to get a crowd response like twice in a rumble, and no one gave a shit. Um, it was it was a bit like that. Just if it's not working, and it just wasn't. Yeah. And then in the end, Kaylee Ray won anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I get I get what they're trying to perceive her as like the champion that's fighting from underneath because the other singles champion you have ha- has layers of protection so you can't do well that's, why, like, uh, well that's why I'm surprised they're going with the monster thing for Viper on two fronts one is that you've already got it with Crater well three fronts actually one is that you've already got the monster storyline going on with Crater yep. second is that I would have thought at this time and era that you want to do body positivity and all that sort of stuff especially for women frankly and the fact that she did a documentary recently that brought that showed her in a really positive light, you would want Viper to be a baby face anyway. I would have thought this is just the most obvious thing to do with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she came across really well as a as a face on the uh, May Young Classic last year. And thirdly, you're having to lose every time. Yeah, I mean, she how- she and Hendry, a Scotsman in world of sport. Yeah. I've really poor records. And if Robbie X actually is Scottish, then, you know... It's even worse. Yeah. We've got something against the Scots, by the looks. So BT Gunn and Stevie Boy, they got to the semis, but no, no further than that. I so mean, those, it, were the, those were the two episodes of World of Sport, and I don't really have much to say anymore. <laughs> I think these episodes will be very short going forward. Um, because just matches happen, and booking decisions happen that don't make sense to us and no one gets established well enough as a character okay so let's because we you're right we are going to rehash old ground if we talk about our criticisms and we have already covered our criticisms in this episode let's try and focus on if i had to ask you top three overall performers slash characters from what you've seen so far at the halfway stage who would you pick can I claim Sabian and Reese as one pick? Yeah, yeah, you can have a team okay. as a pick. Sabian and Reese. Other than the fact that he's losing, I would have put Joe Hendry in that. Mm-hmm. And Grado. Okay. Um so so let's Sabian and Reese, um their storyline's still Cruz, ongoing. Maxted and Cruz will be up there as well. Yeah, yeah. The thing is they've got the talent. I don't dispute that they've got the talent, even if some of their choices to uh use guys like Gabriel Kidd and Robbie X and Liam Slater and guys like that don't really fill me with 
And I, I don't feel like they're the ones that are good, like the tippy top quality that they have available to them. You and I disagree on kid, but I have the, I have more, I've, I've seen more of kid, I guess. Um, kid, well, kid's been given more opportunities than most other people. He's been allowed to talk twice. He won the big ladder match. He got to fight crate. He's had three matches on TV and he just doesn't look that impressive to me right now. I will say the world of sport platform is probably not conveying him in the best manner. Okay. I'll take your word for it, but just yeah. Some of these people, it feels I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there are people that follow the UK indie scene a lot, and some of these names they don't recognise. Yeah, I mean, like the Liam Slater, I've never heard of him. Yeah, and he was but fine. Then, but he then again, fine for what he did, but, but it's just. But then again, that doesn't necessarily mean he's bad because I hadn't I I hadn't heard of Pete Dunne the first time I saw him, and now look at how good Pete Dunne is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh. Look, this is going to be a one and done. There's no way this series is going back to ITV one on a Saturday afternoon, or right? Early evening. Well, on that, our, our bet hasn't been triggered yet because someone was saying it seems to be staying steady at the low five hundred thousands. Mm. But the problem is, like, either the shows on either side of it are getting like nine hundred and thirty thousand to a million viewers. Yeah, it's and those um... are the numbers that you have to sustain, and they're not sustaining them. No, it's not looking hot at the moment. In fact, as I stall for time, I'm trying to get up episode four's figures. Just give me a split sec. Mm-hmm. I think it was 534,000, wasn't it? I think it was in that region. Uh, when I you haven't th- seen episode five's ratings. All right, well, episode... So the, the ITV1 schedule for that evening was World of Sport, News, Japandemonium, which is just a clip show of Japanese TV, uh, and Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Mm. Uh, it should be pointed out, and some people are making this argument online, episode four went directly against Arsenal-Chelsea. Yeah, but then... I don't care. I don't <laughs> care. Because Arsenal-Chelsea is more than 90 minutes. Uh, is more than an hour, sorry. Yeah. And it didn't seem to affect the other shows either side of it. Yeah, but the Premier League wasn't... As flowing then. I don't think the five o'clock kickoff uh, in the first round was anything notable. I just think I just think they had their shot and they blew it. And it's not the wrestlers' faults. Yeah. I mean, um, to hammer home my point a little bit more, Japandemonium did, did do double the numbers of World of Sport. And how much cheaper is that going to be to make than World of Sport? Well, the footage is already there. Exactly. I mean, all you're doing is just editing it together. And paying some snarky Englishman to say, oh, those crazy chaps. <laughs> it's funny you mention this, because um, I'm going to do a sidebar here uh, in terms of like how we poke fun at other cultures on TV. Um, last night, I, for the first time ever, I showed my girlfriend Bullseye. She'd never <laughs> seen Bullseye before. Um her look of wonder when she saw the prize board and like the grand prize that day was a hi-fi uh, system. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I had that anyway. <laughs> like second hand. Um, but the way that Jim makes some jokes sometimes, um, like it's always been like a thing, like, oh, look how, look how funny foreign people are. And it's just weird that like in 2018, we're just watching Japan pandemonium. And like, it just seems like they've gone, well, people like looking at weird Japanese stuff online. Maybe old people will like that too. 
You know what I mean? It just seems a bit... Well, I've always said, like, half the stuff on British TV now is shit that Chris Tarrant used to make fun of foreigners for doing back in the day on Tarrant on TV. Yeah, and uh, a lot of it is coming quite similar to um, Alan Partridge's pitch. Mm. Oh, yeah, Monkey Tennis is only a few more months away. You've hostling with Chris Eubank. Um, cooking in prison. Gordon Ramsay did go into a prison for an episode of his cooking show and did do some cooking with prisoners. So that's happened. Anyway, let's just get back on to world of sport. It's just... But to, to, to emphasise, to conclude my point, it's not that re- well-written wrestling could easily beat half the tripe we're putting out. That's my point. But But this isn't it. This isn't well-written wrestling. This well, is, well, but it also doesn't have to be wrestling. Wrestling. I wouldn't put. I like, like I said, there's there's a wrestling match on every segment. Not giving any match enough time to actually do something impressive. So the wrestling that you're getting at best is like a three out of five. Again, I don't like ratings, but that that's that's as high as I could go for any of these matches because I don't really see. There's not a lot of matches that are under ten minutes that I feel like you could go more than three out of five with. Anyway. Yeah. Um, there are a few exceptions like Owen Hart and the one, two, three kid at King of the Ring, but you know it's just <sighs> short matches very, very rarely work. No, uh, again, and if I'm you're not... going to do short matches, then do more squash matches that establish a character that establish one of the people over the others. Goldberg Lesnar at Survivor Series. No, 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 not like that. I mean, like like having someone beat a nobody. Like well, back in the old the, re- the reason I bring that one up is because that immediately went from oh this old dude's coming back for a lot of run to oh my god he's actually done it. It's a different it's a different situation entirely. I think you've got you've got to do a showcase of characters because that's what's going to get people to tune in who aren't wrestling fans. The way I describe it because the way it is right now is I'm like eighty percent of the show at least is a wrestling match or something like that. Yeah. If eighty percent of the Great British Bake Off was literally them baking not even talking to noel fielding and, and sandy toxvig yeah. not explaining it not giving them time not telling their stories just a- intricate baking processes yeah no it one would watch no if people the people that would watch it would be baking enthusiasts yeah like if you took the mics out of love island all you've got then is just people lazing around a pool. You know what I mean? Well, you need yeah. to have the narrative. You need to have you the characters to, yeah, develop. you need to establish the characters. That's why the people, the big brothers that work are the ones that had the outrageous characters in them. The big brothers where people just got along with each other were the ones that no one watched. Yeah. And that's, that's why the diary room is in Big Brother. It's a narrative yeah. device. Yeah. Yeah. And the, they're characters. There are, there are so few characters in this show. Grado is, is a big character. Yeah. Sabian is a bit of a character, but nothing that impressive. Nothing that there's no real difference between Sabian, Maxted, Cruz, other than they're just cocky, and and Sabian's cocky because he's got muscle backing him up, whereas Cruz and Maxted were cocky because they were good looking. And there's a whole there's a whole gay subtext to it that I'm not particularly keen about. Yeah, um, in in the show. Uh, which I thought was a bit exaggerated in the, from other people's comments, but the, the, it's gone on. They're slapping each other on the ass and all sorts of stuff like that, and it's just oh, that's just jock we, panic. That can oh, be that yeah, can be. There is there panic. is a gay panic in this in those yeah. characters in 2018. They've got gay panic characters, and I'm genuinely shocked that they're going to go with Adam Maxted turning face because 
I just you automatically look at that guy and he projects a certain type of person that at least half the people in this country don't like, mm. and the other half probably don't like them and don't realize that's the who they are. You know, it's like it's like how Caesar from Big Brother is a great example. You know, he thinks he's got everything, the looks and everything, but then it turns out he's the most despised person in Big Brother history for like eviction votes or something like that. That's a... <laughs> I did not expect you to be pulling a Caesar from Big Brother reference out. Do you but... know why? Because that was the only Big Brother I ever watched other than the first series because I was back in Birmingham after university. I had a TV and that was it. And the TV being tuned in was the only thing I had for entertainment because I couldn't afford a DVD player at that point. Or I might have been able to afford a DVD player, but I just, yeah. And there was a girl at work that I fancied that watched Big Brother. So I needed to... <laughs> there we go. So, there so, we are. Yeah. Got there in the end. Yeah. Um, putting my tin hat to. on. Should do that. Should research for her. Putting my tin hat on here. Uh, so bear with me. This might sound absolutely nuts, but do you think potentially the reason they're going to turn Adam Maxted face is because they might actually want to pop him back into Love Island to maybe try and get some exposure for World of Sport if they do a second season. But again, the people that you remember on Love Island are the people that you hate, aren't they? That's oh, why I thought, a guy on Love Island, perfect heel. Yeah. And that's what they did at the start. But uh, it depends how they do it. If he conveys enough sympathy, maybe it'll work. Well, they did say that like out of all the people on Love Island, he was actually seen as one of the nice ones. And yeah, said, that was a weird line to slip in I, when it was a The heel. way I described it was, that's, just, that's praise so faint, it needs to be followed around with a fainting couch at all times. It's praise so faint you could use it as tracing paper. Yeah. It's a praise so faint. My actual follow-up was so faintly said that you didn't hear it. <laughs> it's a praise so faint it's just a boxing manoeuvre to dodge a punch. Ugh. Shit praise. <laughs> <laughs> it's shit. Oh, it's just shit. <laughs> I just, it's just, it. the booking is poor. It's, a, it's what what they, they they copy so much of the WWE, but they copy so much of the bad stuff from it. Yeah, they want to be sports entertainment, but then they don't and they, actually. And they get really emphasize the sports entertainment side of it. But they then really, they don't. I mean, they hammer home the "don't try this at home" stuff more yeah. than anyone has done. Yeah, I think than the WWE do. does. Which yeah. is fine. Fine, do what you want to do. Legal. That's a time thing. Yeah, thing, yeah. Get, get yourself covered. Health and safety, um, all that sort of stuff. Whatever. But. Uh, you know what I mean? If you're going to do sports entertainment... Be entertaining. WWE follows that formula, much to some people's chagrin sometimes on certain I episodes. I think WWE of... has too much wrestling on its shows, to be honest. All the guys that face off in pay-per-views end up wrestling each other like three or four times beforehand. Yeah, I, I think... Miss the days, I miss the days of Steve Austin turning up with a Zamboni and, and that sort of stuff. You don't get that anymore. And I thought they could do that on, on World of Sport. <laughs> Well, I just maybe. think one or two squash matches, one or two long proper matches. So if there are, if there's one squash match, two long matches. If there's two squash matches, long ma- one long match, and actual segments, promos, equivalents of like, um, uh, what are they called? The 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 um, what are the Chris Jericho interview things? The Miz interview, Miz TV, and all those. Um, Miz TV, the highlight reel, in ring yeah, interviews, reel. those yeah, things. Yeah. Though that's something they should bring in. They just don't. They don't. They, it's just 
a poor wrestling show at the moment. Yeah, I mean, Charles Samuels has something called like the Butcher Shop. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's just a poorly written wrestling show with good wrestlers in it. Yeah, and that's why it's not going to succeed. Do you? Yeah. Do you think, um, in hindsight, maybe they wish they did a live one? No, I don't think that would have changed things. Because where they screw up, they can't even cover it. If they can't time matches right, then how are they going to get it possibly right for a live audience? They obviously gave them a bit too much freedom in the ring and figured they'd be able to cover it in post. They should have had them set time matches. You have to be done by this time. Because that's one of the things you're taught in wrestling. Yeah. It's like, here is how long you've got. That's what that's one of the key things they're doing on NXT. That's what they need to teach a Finn Balor who's never had to worry about that before. Yeah. You know? That's why there's the finishing school. Like, you know. <sighs> I'm sorry to end it on a downer. Yeah. But this is why... But look, all other sport on TV has times. You know what I mean? Like, And I know wrestling is sports entertainment, but you've got the luxury then of working to your time schedule. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just it's just been run by people who either don't know enough about wrestling or or just I don't know. I, I a lot of people said it looks like Alex Shane's book in this. I don't know about that, but it's just not well put together. It's not like the the, the editing and camera work that was bothering us in the first few episodes that's now I think we've either become immune to it or it has improved in places. Uh I have it's just it's just covering up what was the fundamental problem which was it wasn't well it wasn't a very well told or booked show. Yeah. I mean I think we've just got to the stage where we don't want to beat a dead horse unless it's particularly bad a la the triple threat ending which yeah. which we alluded to. Yeah. <sighs> just you getting technical and, and like and I always say like or, uh, there's a guy who does reviews on YouTube called Your Movie Sucks who gets really really picky about things and sometimes it can be annoying but yeah. I think if a film's good you don't care about the little things like that yeah. it's like how oh in Raiders of the Lost Ark nothing would have been different if Indiana Jones hadn't been involved but you don't care because you enjoyed the movie yeah. Whereas if it's a film that's already annoying you, then you start to notice the the inconsistencies and the dumb things. It's 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 telling a bigger story. The fact that you're even noticing these things. Yeah, it's like disbelief. Uh, it's, that's that whole suspension of disbelief. The moment disbelief stops being suspended, you start criticizing what's in front of yeah. you. If you I'm start in a... nitpicking, because you've got to do something to pass the time, because the story that's being told isn't interesting to you. One of the things I've noticed, if I'm in a film. Uh, at the cinema, and I end up looking at my watch at any point. That film hasn't isn't a great film. It's not an iconic film. You know what well, I mean? Roger Ebert's line is that no great film can be too long, and no bad film can be too short. Yeah, yeah, and especially now with some films like where the the plot doesn't start until about thirty minutes in. Mm. <sighs> Anyway, that, that's me ranting. I could, you know. now, we're, now we're getting into the movie industry. We'll save it for maybe my podcast about bad British movies, Best of Worst of British. You can follow that on the SoundCloud page. You can buy my book, Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan, on Amazon. You can get in touch with me via email, Twitter, Instagram, and they'll all be with this same name on it, and then at gmail.com at the end of the email, which is Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for Apple, N for November. 
Now, I used to always say N for Norman. I don't know if you remember that, Simon. You did. But then I realised that November's part of the phonetic alphabet. And I'm always trying to get people to go for N over M for Mike, I think is the phonetic name for M. Yeah. And then I realised I've been always going N for Norman, but there's also Mormon. Yeah. But then I also realised now I'm using November, there's now a Movember. <laughs> so I can't win. N for N not. N for Napoleon? N for Napoleon. Maybe. Yeah. There's no other Bapoleon, Dapoleon. Sapoleon. I think you're just going to have to make a list of words beginning with N. We're going to see which one works over the coming weeks. Mm. Anyway, uh, th- those are all my details. If they want to get in touch with you, Simon? Uh, they can get in touch with me on the Twitter, where I am Simon Cross Free, so called because we are recording on the third day of a three day weekend currently. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you can just, like, find me, hunt me down on Facebook because I haven't set my privacy settings that extreme yet. Um, so Zuckerberg enjoys that. Um, or, yeah, you know, SimonCross91 at gmail.com if you want to do it old school with the email. As you get older and older, you'll increasingly regret including that year in your email <laughs> address, Simon. Ah. It is plenty it is. in my office pool, in my office uh, football predictions, there are plenty of 82s and 84s. And 85s, I think they're all like, oh man, <laughs> I'm giving the game away. <laughs> um, That's all right, I'm a man, I don't have to worry about age. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, Hashtag we'll be, feminism we'll, ladies, we'll the part. Yeah. <laughs> we'll hopefully be with you next week, if, as long as we're not uh, otherwise. My next my next of journeys away will actually be on the final two weeks of World of Sports airings, so I don't know what will work out from that. I'll be up in the Scottish Highlands. Ooh, I doubt there's Wi-Fi, though. (laughs) I doubt there's uh, computers there. (laughs) Who knows? By then, a Scot may have won in World of Sport. Might have done. But Oh, we are... Hang on. A Scottish man. Kayleigh Ray is Scottish. Ah, yes, of course, yes. And like I said, Stevie Boy and BT Gun did win one match. True. A Scottish singles male... Quite a few Scots in there. Grado, he beat Shah Samuels. True. So we're just lying now. Yeah, we're well, lying like Alex Shane saying our narratives fall apart, much like much of the narrative in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we probably shouldn't have booked this either. Uh, poorly booked podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, hopefully we'll be in touch with you next week, where we'll see such matches as Rampage taking on British Bulldog Junior, who of course won that number one contender. Oh no, he didn't. He wasn't involved in it. That was just in Sizem. What's that all about? Oh God. Um, we get to see the final of the tag team title tournament. And, and a Martin Kirby oh. Joe Hendry submission match. Yes, submission spelt with one S instead of two or something. <laughs> Who knows what they'll screw up with next time. Yeah. But until then, my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a good time. Until the next time, farewell, Grapple fans. Oh, 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 o